You know what? The draft was yet. Did you did you have it? Do you have a chance to watch the draft, the NBA draft? <laughs> I didn't. How did it go? I was I was gonna ask you like what team uh like do you do you support like oh the Knicks I'm a Knicks fan the Knicks okay Knicks sorry about that I didn't watch oh wow wow no so like I I, am a New Yorker (laughs) hardcore ride or die you cannot abandon your team nope right right okay (laughs) so like I'm a Steph Curry fan so like I support the Golden State Warriors um yeah so like we had two draft picks. So the Knicks, I think I didn't, I didn't watch it. Trust me, um, I, I didn't I didn't care about the Knicks yesterday. <laughs> Just to be honest, okay, okay, okay. How did the How did the Warriors yeah. do? And as far as no, like they did, their picks, they do. yeah, they did really well. Um, I think oh, they got good. the seventh and the fourteenth picks. Um, okay, but like the draft yesterday was pretty deep. Like in terms of like, um, you know, like the drafts in previous years haven't been so. Uh, like in terms of like talent and all of that, mm-hmm. this this one was pretty deep. Like, the, right? Like, I guess like whichever team, like whichever player you got, was pretty good. Um, a pretty good choice. So, what's a good nice. draft? That's good. I mean, people had a whole year in a pandemic to like prepare. So, exactly you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, work on okay. your craft. Today we have Dr. Adetunbe Ayemi in the house, people. All right, welcome to the third episode of the Primate Life Podcast. Uh, today we have Dr. Ayemi, Dr. Adetunbe Ayemi amongst us. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to have uh, some real talk with her. Going to dive into a lot of things. Uh, now, Dr. Ayemi is a pediatric emergency medicine physician in the New York Presbyterian Healthcare Enterprise. Uh, and she is currently an associate program director of the Pediatric uh, Emergency Medicine Fellowship and Emergency Medicine and Ultrasound Faculty um, in you know, Presbyterian. Um, and she's also the director of diversity for the emergency department at New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. Uh, now, over the years, Dr. Ariani has won countless awards acknowledging her medical achievements and work with a, com- uh, with a community. Um, I mean, her resume is packed, people. Um, and, and for three years, she served on the regional board of the Student National Medical Association, uh, which I know most of you are uh, familiar with, uh, where she was the uh, associate regional director for New York and New Jersey for uh, two of those years. Now, in 2008, she became a founding member of the Distinguished Nigerian Physicians of Tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to dive into that, people. Don't worry. Um, and her most recent award was in June 2018, where she was chosen from the Department of Emergency Medicine for an excellent display of hospital values in her everyday work. Dr. Yeni, uh, wow. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I feel like when you read the resume, I'm like, who's that? <laughs> I don't remember half of what's yeah, in my bio. Wow. <laughs> it's packed. It's packed. It's packed. Um, that, now, my first question for everyone is like, how, you know, like how, you, how did you fall in love with medicine? So I'm going to I'm going to throw that to you right now. Um, I think I fell in love with medicine when I was a kid. I uh, I have that story of like, oh, I wanted to be a doctor since I was about four years old. I remember, you know, always saying, oh, I'm going to be an, I'm going to be a doctor or a teacher. And I tell kids now when I'm like giving talks and stuff, I'm like, well, I became both, which is kind of cool. Um, but in all honesty, I remember I had a very specific doctor. I, I, I think this is still her name. I think this is her name, Dr. Sean. And I was like a little kid. My mom would take me to, you know, my doctor's appointments when I lived in Brooklyn. Um, and I remember the smell of the clinic and how everything smelled very clean. Wow. And I remember I had this woman physician doctor who took care of me yeah. and I wanted to be her. And the funny part is I'm a little black girl, <laughs> a little Nigerian American girl. Yeah. And she was, I don't know, um, 
exactly her nationality, but she was Asian. And I remember just um, admiring her and just looking at her and just thinking, wow, I want to do that. I want to do that when I grow up. And it never left me. And so I fell in love with medicine when I was a tiny little kid. And I That's still pretty love it. cool. Yeah. Wow. So like you remember exactly how the hospitals smell like. Wow. That's, I do. I right. do. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, if you were to go back in time, do you see yourself doing anything else apart from medicine or no? I've been asked that question before and uh, in casual talk, uh, you know, never anything formal. Right. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, I think I naturally like taking care of people. Um, I, I naturally like, you know, schmoozing with my patients and kind of like that, um, that social interaction. So I, I enjoy this. I don't see myself doing a lot of other things. I mean, I have a lot of amazing dynamic friends who are like lawyers and like producers and do all these great things. And I admire them, but I feel like the structure of medicine, what you get to do, how you get to take care of people, like you just have this inter- intimate relationship with people that no one else is allowed into a space like that. So it's a privilege to do what I do. So I think I think I would have chosen it again. Okay. 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 Um, now, now, how was high school and your transition from high school to college? How, how was that? <laughs> high school. Uh, I was a band geek. I, <laughs> I, was, I was a band geek. My, wow. High, I loved high school. You know, a lot of people don't say that, but I loved high school. I was in the band, the orchestra, the key club, all the nerdy things. Let's go. But in my high school, that was actually fun. It was cool. Like, I think... I don't know if anybody from, you know, you into high schools on here, but I, I want to say, and don't, you know, tar and feather me. I yeah. want to say the band was more popular than the football team. <laughs> like we, Wait, what? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the band was way more popular than the football team. I mean, what? we had this, we wow. had this band coach, Mr. Abel, shout outs to Mr. Abel. He's fabulous. He just retired this year again. He's like, keeps retiring like Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> he was just, dynamic and i was the captain of the flag team so i could twirl a flag like nobody's business and you know we just were like we called ourselves the southern band from the north and we had a great time i mean band was fabulous you know i played the violin as well you know i was such a geek but like in other schools you'd be thought of as a geek but i was i thought i was pretty cool cool. i had my friends (laughs) i wasn't you know upper echelon popular crew i wasn't gonna be like homecoming queen at all but i mean i had my little my little niche and we had a great time and um so my transition i know you're gonna probably ask about this at some point but my transition was interesting because my sister back when she's also a physician as well and back when i was in junior high school She brought home a pamphlet from a place called Sophie Davis. And she's like, you should go here. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go there. And then I completely forgot about it for years. Like nothing. Like I didn't even, you know, think about it. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go to this school. It's going to be great. And I'm just going to be a doctor in seven years and whatever. And one day in high school, you know, I was in, you know, honors classes and all that. And they would, they would call over the loudspeaker. Like if you're interested in this school, they're here to recruit. Um, and we were lucky enough to have schools come and recruit. You know, we we, we were lucky, lucky enough to grow up in a neighborhood like that. Um, and I know it's not the same for everyone because, you know, they don't always have the same resources, um, which is always a huge problem. But we were lucky enough to have that. And Sophie Davis came, a representative of came, and uh, they said, hey, does anybody want to come down? I didn't remember the name of the school. I'm like, I think that's what it was called. I don't know. And I told my teacher, I was like, hey, can I go downstairs and just mm-hmm. kind of listen to their little talk and then that kind of just steamrolled the journey and uh got me here so i'm grateful for that but high school was besides all the (laughs) academic stuff i had a great time i mean we 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 had a blast it was great right 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 okay so (laughs) now that's wow okay the band was more popular than the football team (laughs) yeah it was that's crazy it was Um, (laughs) so talk talk to us about sophie davis like what what was your experience like um and especially as a black woman and with your perspective from that, from that aspect, like, I guess like the good, the bad and the ugly, um, <laughs> to put it that way. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of good, bad and ugly. <laughs> we could be here all day. Um, no, Sophie Davis, um, is, and was, you know, it, it, it has transitioned a lot since I've been there. Um, 
but it's a seven year medical program. It's actually referred to as the Sophie Davis School of Biomedical Education, CUNY Medical School. That is a mouthful. Um, but when I went, it was a seven year medical program where you transitioned directly from high school and you were guaranteed a spot in um, medical school. Uh, so you kind of condensed undergrad and then you proceeded to start your medical school career while you were in undergrad. And then you transferred to an affiliated um, medical school. Mine was in particular, mine was uh, Stony Brook. Uh, and you did a match, which is interesting because most people do their first match when they're matching into residency. We had already done a match, which was interesting. Wow. So we've been through the process. Um, so Sophie Davis uh, was a school or is a school that recruited minority physicians or minority students to become physicians in underserved populations, specifically serving in primary care, including GYN, family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics. Um, and so they really wanted to repopulate our own communities with physicians that looked like the people that lived there. Right. Um, and re regardless of all other things, I admired the mission statement, even at the age of 16. Um, I, I was 16 when I started and it was, it was an experience. It was hard. You know, I, I will never lie to anybody and say it wasn't, yeah. it was a struggle. Like I, like I was about to ask, like, what, what was the pressure? Like, cause this, this is, it's not necessarily like a typical high school, high schooler college experience, you know, that, that kind of transition, you know? Um, right. Right. So how, I, how was the, that like? The pressure, I think the pressure came from multiple directions. It was, it was, it was multifaceted. I, you know, you obviously have self-pressure, you know, do great, be great. You know, you, you have this mentality. Um, and then I come from immigrant parents, Nigerian uh, parents who, yeah. <laughs> who <laughs> I, I, I oh know you can God, relate. I right. know you can relate. Um, <laughs> All Africans listening, y'all know what we're talking about. <laughs> mm, mm, oh, oh that, yeah. oh, that was something. I mean, right. they were amazing and supportive and they yeah. cried with you when you cried and rejoiced with you when you rejoiced, but they, they did not let up. You know, they, 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 they know you can do it. If you say you can't, they will make sure you know you can. Um, yep. So um, <laughs> there was pressure from there. And then the school itself, you know, there were very specific requirements. You couldn't get below a B in any of your classes. Uh, you weren't allowed to, even if you took like classes that were not part of the program, like in the regular city college, yeah. you weren't allowed to fail. I think you weren't even allowed to get like, like a D. Like, you know, you couldn't get like even like the lowest passing, like you had to be on top of your game. Um, and I, sh I, sh I definitely clawed my way <laughs> out of that program, which I think makes me appreciate having my MD so much more. Um, but Sophie in general, I got to say, we're like a family. Um, I, I make fun. There are these, um, I think it's the University of Phoenix or some school where a long time ago they had this commercial where people would pull up their socks and the socks would be like red and then they would recognize each other like oh yeah oh. you went there you went there oh, so they oh, all had this family <laughs> yeah right, it's this, I'm, look I'm, this I'm commercial this up right it's, <laughs> it's old it's old it's like oh, a okay. old commercial and it's like they would pull up the socks and they would like no like they would go to an interview and pull up their socks and then people would be like oh yeah like your socks are red my socks are red like i love that commercial because it reminded me of sophie davis and i joked around that we should have lavender socks to recognize each other right. <laughs> um but it's it's a family. Oh yeah, I think I think you it's know famous. if you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, University of Phoenix, right? Yeah, I, yeah, we're yeah. totally product loving <laughs> in this school that we don't even know about. But right. um, but it, it was it's it's great because it really reminded me of Sophie. And now, like, I'll get residents, I'll get students, I'll get different people that rotate through that are Sophie, and I'll you know automatically it's like a love. Like, okay, you went to Sophie, we understand each other's struggle. Like, it was not easy to get through that program, and it's an unspoken like family you know essentially for the majority of us so and you know we go back and they're like oh what class for you what class for you and you know we still kind of reach back and help out there so i mean sophie was a, a fabulous um experience you know for better or for worse obviously you know there's struggles with everything but it was great it was great and i'm glad i went through it that's pretty cool that's pretty cool uh to hear so uh yeah how was how, <laughs> how was stony brook <laughs> <laughs> stony brook <laughs> yeah um, Stony Brook was also a, a really great experience in the, in the sense that I got 
a lot of knowledge. I felt super prepared when I left Stony Brook. Um, it, it had its challenges as well as any place. Anything you do is going to have challenges. Um, it had its challenges, but I do believe that you know, when you come out, you know, you're like a phoenix, there goes the phoenix again, you know, you come out way stronger once you go through the fire. Uh, so I, I felt prepared. I felt prepared. That's what I'll say. That's true. Um, okay. So in terms of that, that, that's, that's, that's nice to hear in terms of um, time management, right? Uh, a lot of, a lot of pre-meds, especially, you know, like initial years, we struggle with that. Uh, in terms of time management and studying, were you always good at that before med school or like, you know, or not? And if not, how did you grow in that space over the years? The simple answer is no. <laughs> I, I was terrible at it. I was terrible. I am the ultimate procrastinator. You know, back then, <laughs> you know, we, so the problem with smart kids um, and, and, you know, if you are, and I, and I generalize smart kids, like, you know, listen, if you are focused on your education and you're going through, it doesn't matter what your struggle is. You are smart because you're getting through it. You're, you're doing the best you can, even if you struggle a little bit. The problem with smart kids though, is that sometimes when people keep telling you you're smart, telling you you're smart, you know, you kind of like, you know, you, you, you get away with waiting to the last minute. Mm. And I did that all through grade school, all through grade school, all through high school, all of that. And then you get to a place where you can't do that. Because <laughs> it doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> right. right. It does not work like that. And and you know, you don't get a pass because you're in all honors. Everyone around you is doing the same thing. Like, exactly. you know, you're not like the top 10% of your class now. You you are in the mix of a bunch of kids who are just like you and who are just as smart as you are, if not smarter. So I struggled with that. You know, I I was a I, I loved dabbling in everything. I wanted to be in band. I wanted to be singing. I wanted to run track. I wanted to play tennis. I wanted to do everything. And I wanted to be smart. <laughs> and I was like, something's got to give. Right. Um, so my first year in college, I remember making a very deliberate choice not to join any sports in the first semester mm -hmm. um, and really still trying to, you know, buckle down and, and do things. And I still struggled. I was like, where's my time going? Um, so over time, it, it took me some time, but I, I got better at it. I think it really kind of started to solidify itself in residency, um, where I, I, I learned that I had to write things down. I had to make to-do lists. I, I, I was that person. I still do it now. <laughs> yeah. um, I have a calendar that I write. I don't use like Google Calendar. I can't do the electronic thing. I have to okay. write it all down. Okay. Um, and make appointments with myself and things like that. So I, I struggled with it, but I learned how to, I learned my best way of getting around it. Um, and every, to each his own, you know, it's not going to be one size fits all. You have to figure out how your brain works and make it work for you. So that's how I deal with it. For sure. For sure. Thanks for uh, sharing that. So, so writing stuff down worked for you, right? Like, Yes, sure absolutely. You stay top of yourself. Okay. Yeah, I know I know that would mm -hmm. help. that would go a long way to help a lot of students, so for sure. Um and in terms <laughs> of learning, um, has your style of learning changed over the years? Ha, ha, like like if it has, what are some tips you have for us? Um my my tip for your style of learning is figure it out early. Um, because you don't want to struggle. Um, there's this episode in the Cosby show where Theo figured out that he had a learning disability and for years he just thought he was stupid. Um, and, he, and it turns out he was, he had dyslexia. Um, and even smart people can have like dyslexia or a little bit of ADHD where they just can't focus and stuff. So I just say, figure it out early. You know, you have audio learning, you have, um, kinetic learning, you have so many different types and there's ways to kind of like, you can take like online quizzes and kind of figure yourself out. But I figured out very early on that I'm a kinetic learner. I have to do something with my hands, have the experience, you know, write it and hear it. Like, I have to do that in order for me to really, truly embrace it and then repeat it, you know, be able to kind of reiterate it over and over again, see it again and again and again. I don't have a photographic memory. Some people do. And that's great. I wish I did. Okay. okay. Um, but that was me. And, and once again, I figured that out residency and a little bit beyond. Um, so that was, that was a little bit of a struggle, like always being told you're smart and then you kind of get hit a roadblock and you're just like, wait, what's going on? And you don't realize that you, you just never figured out how you learn. Um, 
so I, that was great for me. So now like being in the hospital and having to like, you know, take tests and stuff when I see it, like I have a patient with this particular like toxidrome or drug overdose or whatever, I will never forget it because I saw it. Um, so that's, that's the way I work. So I like watching videos. I like writing and listening. Those things, those things help me a lot. That's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. So you talked about, yeah, thanks for sharing that. You talked about uh, how, how prepared you felt um, after Stony Brook. What are some challenges that as a black woman you kind of face at Stony Brook? Well, not necessarily, but let's say like in med school in general, like if, if any at all. <laughs> and how do you, <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like you heard me shirk around that part of it. <laughs> See, I got you. <laughs> I was going to say, you got me. Like, like um, oh, my. <laughs> that was a struggle. Right. Oh, man, I will never forget. There were there were a couple of things. And, you know, I won't name names and name departments. But right. um, and I and I don't think that this is unique to Stony Brook. Like, no, no offense, to Stony Brook. I loved it there. I, it was my first choice. I really wanted to go there. So, you know, and I appreciate them for giving them giving me my education and making me who I am. But right. you can't a whole institution can't be responsible for a couple of people or patients. Right. Sure. Um, I remember I was on a rotation once and I was with a physician walked into the room, he sanitized his hands and I'm a little mini me, right? I'm, I'm, I'm doing whatever my doctor is that I'm following is doing. So if he washes his hands, I'm washing my hands. If he walks this way, I'm walking this way. If he says this, I'm saying this, you know? And so we both go in, he cleans his hands. I clean my hands and, you know, he examines the kid. I'm about to examine the kid. And the mother is like, you, it's like, don't touch my kid with your dirty hands. Whoa. And I'm like, oh, we're talking about me. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was just such a slap in the face. And I was like, uh, and I was like stunned. And my, my attending came to my defense and, uh, it was so blatant. And so um, it was so painful. Like I didn't even know how to react. You know, I didn't, I didn't go home and think about it. I didn't go home and mull over it. It, it, I, it was just, it happened. Um, but you don't realize how like that kind of stuff just chips away at you. Uh, you know, even in that, and this didn't even happen in Stony Brook, but in, somewhere else, I remember going to see a patient and I remember the parent pulling the kid closer to them, like, don't touch my kid. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, I'm the, I'm the doctor. Uh, I have right. to examine your kid. You kind of don't have a choice. You got to see me. Right. And um, without being snarky or anything, but you know, there are things that I saw. I remember being on a rotation uh, when I was in school and they favored the other girl um, mm. and she was, you know, white and blonde and they were, they loved her because everybody else looked like her. <laughs> right. And I remember it was my day to be at a particular clinic. You know, I get, I got to learn this one skill. I never got to learn that skill because the other girl showed up by accident on my day and they were like, Oh, one of you should go back to the hospital. Why don't you go back? And they pointed at me and I'm like, well, it's my day. They're like, no, you can go back because they didn't want to work with me and i felt it the entire rotation just a blatant just like other students that didn't look like me would do certain things and get away with it and i would attempt to do those same things and no way um being told that i put a resident in a very difficult position by asking her if i could just go take a break she's like it's your medical education go take like you know i i can't help that like Mind you, the other student was sleeping. <laughs> that didn't look like me. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> okay. wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were things that were just so blatant that you couldn't mistake it. But what were you going to do? I needed to pass this rotation. I need to get out of school. Um, I'm not the most, you know, I wish I was one of those people that could say that I, I, I'll be holding the bullhorn at the front of the protest. I'm not. You know, I, I needed to survive. I needed to get out of there. I needed to make it so I could take care of people that look like me eventually with the power that I eventually gained. I didn't have power yet. So there was nothing I could do to say or, or get out of those situations um, without just kind of being quiet and keeping my head down. Right. Um, right. So it was, you know, I had my challenges. I had my challenges where people would just take one look at you and they would discount you, insult you, whatever. You know, it wasn't easy. Right, right. Now, now what about your residency years? How, about <laughs> what, how was that? Residency, um, I, I was at Robert Wood Johnson. Again, great institution. I, I got a lot of education there. Um, I, I don't think I felt that as much. Um, yeah, I, I feel 
like residency, I had a really amazing amalgamation of um, patients. We had a lot of uh, immigrants, um, undocumented that we took care of, which was so fulfilling for me. Mm. Um, you know, and if, if, you know, yeah, sometimes you just feel like the scathe of someone like not treating you nice or whatever, was that related to race or not? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think it was, it was just a struggle because it was a struggle. Residency is not easy, you know? Um, but I, I don't think I felt that as much there. Uh, you know, overall, I felt like, you know, I, I got a, once again, great education. I feel like everywhere I went, I just, it grew me and I got such a great education um, and the institutions themselves. I, I commend them for just churning out just great doctors overall. Um, so yeah, I, I feel, I feel like I felt it less there. I'm sure there were a couple of patient interactions. You definitely had the affluent patient population who they were very much like questioning everything you did in your judgment. Um, but you know, it is what it is. You're always going to be questioned as a physician, no matter what the reason. So Right. You're, you're definitely, so I wanted to know, you're definitely um, like a role model for us um, coming up, uh, you know, and for young gals and like, you know, I mean, even for guys like us and all of that. Um, yeah. So thank you for that. For pushing. Thank things. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Describe what your current job looks like. And, and I guess like your daily, weekly schedule, like how, what is, what does it entail? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. I, I really do love what I do uh, right now. You know, um, I have a little bit of that factor of not being able to do the same thing every day. I, I like not being able to do the same thing every day. I like that change, but I also like structure. So it's weird. Like I like uh, organized chaos. Um, so I, I, I decided to go to pediatric emergency medicine. You know, initially I was just going to be a pediatrician, but I had a really amazing experience while I was at Stony Brook when I did my ER rotation at St. Catherine's Hospital. Um, and I was like, wow, I, I don't know why I like this, but I like this. And then, of course, in residency, when I did my ER rotation, I fell in love. Like, I felt like our ER at Robert Wood Johnson was just so great. Um, and I really fell in love. The, the attendings there were just really um, encouraging um, some of them let me pretend when I was like a second year, which was like crazy, but it was really cool to allow me to, to kind of fall more in love with emergency medicine. So when I, you know, got to fellowship and, you know, now being an attending, you know, I just really enjoy the fact that I, I decided not to do something where I'm doing the same thing every day. And for some people that works for me, you know, it's great not to. So on any given day, I could work a clinical shift, which I, you know, like I did last night where I'm in the emergency room for, anywhere between eight to 10 hours, um, seeing, you know, sick children. So we are a trauma ready pediatric emergency medicine hospital. So uh, we don't necessarily see the level one traumas, though we are capable of taking care of them, because a lot of us did our residencies at, you know, level one trauma centers. Um, but, you know, we take care of really sick kids, we resuscitate, we intubate, we, you know, put a bandaid on there, you know, reassure people, you know, all of that, you know, and sometimes you have to save someone's life and pump on their chest and shock them and all the fun things that you get to see on, on, uh, on ER and all these shows that are out there uh, may not be as dramatic, but it definitely is as is chaotic. Uh, So I like that adrenaline rush. I like the ability to get in there and just kind of drop everything and just your mind goes into like, you know, just focus like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Everything else on the wayside. Um, and then the next day I could come in and be, you know, uh, administration. So, you know, we have conferences every Wednesday. I'm the associate program director for the fellowship. And so, you know, I organize the conferences. We bring guest lectures in. We teach ourselves. Um, we'll do hands-on uh, lectures, things like that. And I get to interact directly with the fellows, which I love. It's rewarding. You know, you kind of get to see the next generation come up and train, you know, people who are going to be just like you, if not better. Um, so that's really nice. And then on another day I can run around and just be doing ultrasounds all day. So I decided to do a second fellowship, uh, which, you know, some, some might see me as a little crazy for doing that and like, stop being educated, like, stop it, just start working. (laughs) Um, But I did another fellowship for a year where I learned how to do ultrasound. And uh, it's what we call point of care ultrasound or POCUS for short. And um, we do ultrasounds, like non-comprehensive ultrasounds. So they're basically very specific to ask a, a very specific question to make sure that you are 
Like, if, does this patient have an appendicitis? Yes or no. Uh, does this patient have a gallbladder issue? Yes or no. And we answer those in real time instead of having to send them up to radiology, wait an hour for a scan and a result and everything, and then you can act on it. Um, and the beauty of my hospital at New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist is, you know, a lot of our scans are taken to the OR or acted on. Uh, so we have the privilege mm-hmm. to have that ability. Um, so it's not, it's not a wasted talent. It's really great. Uh, but obviously, if we need backup or help or things are a little bit out of our wheelhouse, we send them up to radiology and have them take care of it. So uh, that's, that's my day to day. I get to just be different, wear different hats and um, be, you know, dynamic and not have to be bored ever. So. Right, 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 right. So about, 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 about getting bored, how do you manage, (laughs) how do you manage burnout? How do I manage burnout? Ooh. um, So that's not easy when you are someone who is an overachiever, like, and all of you are Um, every medical student, every resident, every doctor, we're all overachievers to some degree. Um, and I remember starting when I started as a, an attending, I didn't take a real vacation for two years. And my, uh, <laughs> my boss looked at me one day and he goes, take a vacation. <laughs> and <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Usually you're asking your boss to take a vacation and they're side-eyeing you, but I am usually told to go take one. Wow. Um, so I took one and, you know, over the years I've realized that, you really have to take a break. You have to, whatever it is like that break, you might not think so, but the break rejuvenates you. It changes you. You come back more empathetic. You come back ready to work. You kind of miss your job a little bit. You know, the day before you might be like, I don't want to go to work. You get there and you're just like, all right, let's go. I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, You know, I take a vacation last week. Funny that you ask. And it wasn't much of a vacation. I had so many things going on. I had funerals to go to, uh, you know, there was a lot happening. So I kept saying, Oh, this isn't a vacation. This sucks. This isn't a vacation. And, but when I got back to work, I actually felt like it was a vacation. I had time away mm. to step away. I didn't have to, you know, be a ball of empathy all the time. Cause you need to, you know, you run out of empathy sometimes and you find yourself getting cranky. Mm. Um, so you need a break, you need a vacation. And in the, in between times, you got to find a hobby that is not medical related. You know, like do something else. I mean, I have a, I love my Peloton. It's like my favorite toy. Um, okay. You know, <laughs> I love it. I really do. And, and that's one of the ways I, I get things out. I love, you know, I really do love my friends and family. So I'm very much like someone who like, likes to entertain, bring people over, but I also love my alone time. So I'm like an extroverted introvert. So you could see me just vegging out on the couch and just changing the channel. And I am happy. Um, So, you know, take, take that break, do something different, shut your brain off. If you like to hike, go hiking. If, If you like to just, you know, I don't know, barbecue, barbecue, like whatever you like to do, find a hobby, read a book. Or better yet, don't read a book. Listen to a podcast or <laughs> listen to this podcast. No, um, or, um, you know, just yeah. listen to a book on tape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to a, a couple of books on tape right now, like as I drive to work. And um, it's really great because, you know, I don't, I don't have the time at night to sit and like open a book. So it's nice to kind of listen to one or listen to one while I'm cleaning or whatever. Um, just find something else and don't dismiss those breaks. Don't say, hey, oh, well, I can, I can keep going. No, stop. Take a break. Really, really take your mind off of things and shut your brain off. It's not easy. We have phones connected to our arms, literally. Um, but, you know, take a break and burnout. You'll, you'll have less burnout if you take a break and can, and can add some variety to your schedule. And you don't feel like you're doing the same thing day in and day out. So like in two, so now we're, we are coming back to, you know, the details that I talked about in the intro. Uh, in 2008, you, you founded uh, the Distinguished Nigerian Physicians of Tomorrow, right? Um, so what is, what is that about? What is that about? Talk, talk to us. So I didn't found it. I definitely don't want to um, <laughs> mis- misappropriate myself. Okay. I was just part of the group that 
we were like the founding members, I guess. I, I, I overall wish I did a lot more with them um, because once I got back to school, it was like crazy. And um, I had so like, you know, a family tragedy after that. But um, we, there were a bunch of students. So the Association of Nigerian Physicians in the Americas, yeah. uh, ANPA, uh, they uh, invited, I had seen them when I was a kid. I, I went to their, one of their conferences as like a guest, like not ever thinking that I was going to be a part. But, you know, in 2008, they invited a bunch of Nigerian medical students to come down to North Carolina hmm. for free. <laughs> and hmm. I think what did, I think we only like, paid for our airfare and that was it. Like they got everything else, hotels, everything. They invited a bunch of us down there. And I think there were about 25 of us. Um, some really, really, really great um, um, people. I, I think the the guy who ended up being our president was like Lamre Jimal. I think that was his name. Forgive me if it's not, but shout outs to him uh, for doing such a great job uh, with leading us back then. But um, we went down there and they said, okay, guys, we want you guys to start like a medical school or a medical student branch. Go. And we sat in conference rooms and we hashed it out, <laughs> like it went down to the name. We hashed it out, um, DNTP. We we hashed it all out, and it was such a beautiful meeting of the minds. Like just some great young people, uh, really really passionate about you know our place in this world um, as Nigerians and Nigerian Americans, and you know what that means for us, and you know how we can help our community. Uh, not just the community that we come from being Nigerians, but the community that looks like us being black people. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was really sweet to be a part of that. Even, even though it was a short time for me anyway, uh, you know, it was a beautiful thing to be a part of. And then going back and watching people and seeing people join them and be passionate about it. And it was so encouraging to see some of my mentees be a part of it. And, and, you know, just me being able to reach back and give them a high five and say, you know, great, keep going you know, do what you're doing. So, so shout out to, you know, um, ANPA for allowing us space um, and the resources, you know, to do that because they didn't, they didn't leave us alone. They said, come, we'll pay for everything, do it. Like, just make it happen. Like whatever you need, we got you. And, and that was really nice to have um, um, our seniors, our, our role models uh, give us a platform. Um, so it was really nice. And, and our leader, he ended up speaking at the big banquet, uh, which was really nice uh, to to be represented and acknowledged. So I appreciated nice. that experience. Right. That's pretty nice. Yeah. So uh, shout out to all Nigerians listening to us out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I have I have I have a I have a what is it called? Uh, a pick to to to, to pick with, uh, you know, a thing to pick with 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 Nigerians out there. Just know that Ghanaian Jalof is the best, okay? Like we're we're tired of you guys oh, no, always no, being no, like, no, oh, no, Nigeria no, Jalof no. be the best. Uh, yeah, uh, like, nah, mm. Ghana, Ghanaian Jalof is Listen, the best. I'm just saying. The mere, just saying. The mere <laughs> fact that you had to mention it, Look. you already know because <laughs> see, we don't even have to say nothing. It speaks for itself. But you Look, mentioned it because we're, we're you know you have to. Of y'all. <laughs> nah, nah, Nigeria Jalof, Nigeria know they carry last. It's it's oh, the bomb. You know, you get that, and, the, and we have the party jalap that has the like the little bit of a burnt taste, like that wood burnt. T- you guys, you, you know, know, you gotta have the variety, man. Oh, nah. you, you don't know. You don't. You know what? We, we're just gonna leave it there. <laughs> we're gonna leave it there. We're gonna leave my, it there. My, yeah, my, it there. my, my, my Ghanians, listening know what I'm talking I, about. So you know, I, what? I love, yeah. I love all my West Africans. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> little, little, big heart, big heart. Yeah, let's leave it there. <laughs> um, okay. Um, and so you're also involved in uh, the longitudinal course. Um, can you talk about um, about that as well, like focusing on race and healthcare and like me- medical disparities? Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, this was a little bit of a baby of mine, uh, a lot of bit of a baby of mine. Back when uh, in 2020, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, obviously the, the tragedy of uh, Mr. George Floyd um, that we all unfortunately witnessed on on television and broadcast worldwide. Uh, was was gut wrenching uh, to so many um, people that look like us and people that don't. It was just a human a humanity aspect of it, you know, just someone being killed so senselessly um, and for nothing. So I was passionate, just like so many other people were, and I was a little. I felt a little disappointed that I didn't see so much more of a of a uprising um, in the very beginning. 
from the medical community. You know, obviously we had white coats for black lives and so many other things happened in the midst of that. But I think we were all kind of thinking the same thing at the same time. And, and then boom, like a, a big uprising of a lot of medical things happening, you know, a lot of protests where the, you know, white coats would march together, things like that. I couldn't get to a protest. You know, I, <laughs> I was busy all the time. We had the pandemic still going on. I work in the ER. I really wasn't willing to be around a lot of people um, to, to give them, you know, God forbid I had, you know, COVID on me or near me or anything. I just, I didn't want to put people at risk, but I, I would drive by Grand Army Plaza and put my fist up. And, you know, as I saw <laughs> protesters and encourage people, I would drop off masks at different hospitals. I did a lot of fun things um, just to do my part. Yeah. But I wrote a letter to the chairperson of my department and um, he was so receptive. And I really, really appreciated that. Just and, and I had some, you know, a little bit of venom in that letter, just kind of like, oh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm upset, you know, I'm upset. And, you know, just a little bit of a segue, guys, if you have a problem and you want to voice your opinion about that problem and state your upsetness or whatever it is, you know, I'm just making up words here, but if you want to state your, your feelings about that issue, don't just state the issue, come up with a solution too. Because people are less willing to listen to you if you just state the problem and you don't have an answer for it. Mm. Um, and sometimes there is no answer, but you have to try your best to, you know, have something that's, you know, a little bit of a solution. So with that being said, you know, yes, my, my letter was written with, you know, my, my uh, passion and my emotion regarding the situation or surrounding the situa situation, but I included in there, I said, you know what, let me start a course. Let's start educating people on what they should and should not say and do and things that they need to know about race. You know, there's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that I didn't know. And, I, and I'm black, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and, and we have to educate ourselves because there are things that have been said to me. You know, uh, I was, I'm teaching and a resident said blatantly out of the space that, Oh, you know, black people are innately angry. You know, they have a they're they're innately violent. Wow. And and like you couldn't hear a pin drop because everyone just kind of looked at me like, oh crap. Like, I can't believe he just said that and she's about to lose her mind. And I and I didn't lose my mind. I educated him. I said, I don't know how you can say that, but you know, and the interesting part is that he's also part of a a minority population. He's also part of a minority population. Um and so I had to let him know that that was not okay. Those, that, that um, saying was not okay. And uh, so all of that kind of drove mm. me to the point where I wrote that letter and I said, I want to start a course and I want this course to span the course of the year. Um, <laughs> the next thing he asked me was, he, first of all, he said, yeah. And the next thing he said was, do you need money? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> never turn down money. I was like trying to think quick <laughs> on my feet. I was like, I didn't think about money. Um, <laughs> oh my yeah. <laughs> so he gave me money for books and, um, you know, some other things that are still in the works right now. But over the course of the year, since uh, June of 2020 to now, uh, I have had this course where I could educate residents, fellows, medical students and some attendings who are in, in, in attendance um, about race relations in this country and not just race relations, um, you know, culture, ethnicity. We've talked about, you know, the Holocaust. We've talked about redlining. We talked about the mm -hmm. Tulsa massacre, Juneteenth. Um, we've talked about um, the epigenetics of, of race and how that affects, you know, um, generations down the line. Uh, we've talked about racism versus race when it comes to like medical illnesses and, and um, biases. We've talked about inherent bias, uh, heuristics. I mean, we've talked about so many things. And um, I've even had them watch uh, videos of, um, you know, the, the green, green-eyed, uh, brown-eyed uh, kids by Jane Elliott. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it on YouTube. There's so many versions of it. Um, but really, really delving into it, making them uncomfortable. And I told them from the get very beginning, you're going to be uncomfortable and that's okay. We're going to talk about things that, you know, you kind of want to squirm in your seat and walk out of the room, but that's okay. Because guess what? That's the reality of a lot of people every day. And they can't shake the skin that they live in. Um, so it's been a success so far. You know, thank God for the people who have been a huge help. I mean, you had Dr. Samuel Ayala here on episode two, and uh, yeah. Yeah. he was he was one of my biggest cheerleaders. Uh, 
when it came to that. So shout outs to him and uh, so many other people who have just had my back um, when it came to that, you know, so, you know, the whole ER department at uh, mm-hmm. Methodist shout outs to you guys. Thank you so much. But it's, it, it was a, it was a baby of mine, but I got a lot of help. Um, and I appreciate that. And I'm moving forward with it, stemming into a different department. Pediatrics has contacted me and they want to like do something too. And, you know, we're all just, we're all just trying to figure this all out together. And um, it's, it's really resonating with people. I'm hearing conversations outside of the classroom uh, that they're just kind of talking to each other about some of the things that we've discussed in the, in the room. And, you know, I got some really great feedback, you know, just doing some anonymous polls, like, you know, you guys still like the scores. Am I just be- browbeating you down with like racism, you know, and then, you know, being like my own, um, I don't know, like, do they see me as like this radical? Like, I don't know what they saw me as. And, and I got some really great feedback. They, a lot of them wanted it to return as a monthly thing. Keep going, like, don't stop. And, I think it's it's really working and I'm passionate about just learning. You know, we're going to include more things about LGBTQ. We're going to include more things about, um, you know, Islamophobia, uh, about anti-Semitism, you know, really branching out to the things that people are biased about. You know, whether you believe in these things or not, check your bias at the door and treat the patient as a person. Right. Um, and then go from there. And, you know, we're not just talking about medicine. We're talking about relations. And, and when you can do that in your everyday life, you bring that to medicine as a better doctor, as a smarter doctor, as a more compassionate and empathetic doctor. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, that was deep. Uh, okay. So you love traveling, uh, especially on like faith-based and medical missions. Um, yeah, can you can you share with us some of those stories and like which one was your favorite? Like one of one of those medical <laughs> dishes. Yeah. Um, so I, I do a lot of like the faith-based uh, missions um, and then medical missions, of course. I I am a part of a group called the Giving Joy Foundation, uh, started by a pediatric internist um, over at um, at, uh, I'm sorry, pediatric intensivist over at Cornell, uh, Dr. Joy Howell, shout out to her. She's a wonderful mentor of mine. And um, she started this mission program through her church and it was a medical mission through her church. Um, and I, I've been able to help them with missions uh, that they've gone on to Trinidad and Jamaica. And then I actually went with them on a, a mission trip to uh, Nigeria uh, back in 2015. And it, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, I had gone and worked with a doctor back in 2010 um, at a hospital, excuse me, at a hospital in Nigeria. And um, it was great. I loved it. I was a resident then, but you know, I didn't have all the skills that I wanted to at the time. Um, and I just got to shadow him. But when I went back in 2015 and actually got to like take care of people and not only take care of people, take care of people that looked like me and spoke my language. Right. Like a lot of the, <laughs> it was, Oh, it was so cool, God. you know, and I know I was born here and everything, but, you know, my parents have been phenomenal and my sister teaching me the language and everything. So I can get by, you know, with conversation and some reading even and um, and maybe some writing. And a lot of the translators were running around and helping all the other people. I felt so proud that I didn't need them. I could just talk to my people and I got better and better as a, over the course of the week. But it was so fulfilling. We saw over 2000 patients in one week. We visited about five or six hospitals and uh, gave them supplies. Like um, I think we bought a, one ton of supplies uh, with us donated by different organizations and companies um, and then our own, you know, donations. And we just got to take care of people. You know, we, we had a free, free medications. The clinic was free. It was out of um, a church uh, out in Nigeria and it was so fulfilling and so amazing. Um, and I was super blessed by it. Um, and yeah, I, I feel that we need to do more of that stuff um, and bringing things back to resource poor uh, nations. Um, and yeah, or I, I should say access poor because it's not, they're not resource poor. They just have poor access. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and it was, it was a really wonderful thing. And so many of like the grandmas and everything were so appreciative just to see someone that was young and look like them and like 
helping them out. And it was great. Um, and then really just helping them focus on like certain priorities. <laughs> you know, everybody wanted like deworming medication. And I'm like, yeah, but your blood pressure is 192 over 100. So right, right. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the interesting part, just educating uh, yeah. people and being the only ER doctor there. Uh, was fun because it was it was basically like triage medicine. It was like ER medicine for me. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed that a lot. So yeah. And then the faith-based ones going to different, co- you know, places with my church. Yeah. Um, South Africa. Oh, wow. South Africa was the bomb. It was the bomb. Yeah. Uh, we went, <laughs> I went in 2018 and um, we went, uh, so we have my church is Power and Authority Evangelical Ministries, and uh, we have a, a outreach group um, that my pastor, um, the now or soon to be Bishop uh, <laughs> uh, Emmanuel Onavanjo, he um, he essentially uh, started it, you know, and we went and gave um, young people, you know, sanitary, sanitary supplies, specifically the young women who unfortunately missed school. Uh, because they have, you know, they're they're menstruating and they don't have enough supplies to get them through the day. So instead of being embarrassed in school, they stay home and then they miss out on their education. And, you know, then that steamrolls into other things. And, you know, um, yeah, so it was really great to go down there and give um, soaps and deodorants and, you know, sanitary pads and different things. Um, and then we visited countless churches and we went to so many schools um, and just made our, our presence known. And we were there for like, a week and a half and it was a beautiful beautiful thing so if i had to pick out of the two medical missions and uh church missions yeah. my favorite church mission was south africa my favorite okay. medical mission was nigeria, nigeria. so nice. Mm-hmm. nice 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 um now 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 let's talk about paradox worldwide <laughs> i want to hear all about it <laughs> Woo! uh mm-hmm. paradox worldwide um great organization um <laughs> the ceo's uh alex polak shout out to him and uh so essentially we are a company um or it is a company that um staffs uh different events you know it, you know i got started with them when i was a fellow which was great and I, and I do a lot of great things with them it's really cool to kind of do like this like renegade medicine like outside <laughs> and um you know concerts and young people doing some interesting things and having to save lives like you know in the street so <laughs> it's um no it's a, it's a little more sophisticated than that i promise you but you know it's really fun to go to concerts uh you know go to these um outdoor uh uh concerts and games you know we do baseball games as well um and you know treat people and it's it's great because you know people are really they fall sick during some of these things you know um you had a baseball game and somebody had a heart attack and you know we have to you know take care of him or you might have someone that loses a finger or dislocates something you know we do the spartan race we do a lot of different things um and i get to be a part of that you know when i have time that's like my i have my day job and then that's like my night job (laughs) so i i get to work with them and that's a lot of fun so the diversity of my job the ability to do so many different things as an er doctor is astounding and i really enjoy that right right wow this this has been a very educating and and uh just fun conversation yeah um (laughs) yeah yeah i really enjoyed it um now like to wrap it up i I guess like do you have any tips for pre-meds out there like coming up i guess like general advices that you have for us um yeah we welcome all of it please? Um, my biggest advice, I'll say two really big pieces of advice, um, get mentors. And I didn't say get a mentor. I said, get mentors. There's a mentor for everything. Um, you don't have to listen to the advice of your mentor. I joke around that it's like a consult. You can get a consult, but it's a consult. You don't have to take their advice. Um, but you need to understand all the angles of your options. Okay. So get mentors. And so multiple people to tell you about different things. You can have a career mentor. You can have a lifestyle mentor. You can have multiple career mentors. You can have, um, you know, whatever hobby you have, get that kind of mentor. So get different types that really help you. Someone that knows how to study and organize. And that's in medicine or maybe not, you know, just get different mentors. It's, it's super helpful and you have your options and they don't have to look like you. Some of my um, most amazing mentors have been like older white people (laughs) and that's fine, you know, get mentors. And then I have black mentors too. I have mentors that are like not too far from my age. I have mentors that are 
30 years older than me, you know, get them. They come and go. Some of them stick with you forever, become your friends. It doesn't matter. Get mentors. Um, and it and really just use their advice to decide on what it is you want to do. Again, you don't have to take all of their advice, but just kind of get a broader experience and a broader perspective um, for your career and for your life. Um, and so it, it helps in that regard. And you might just circle back to exactly what you wanted to do in the first place, but it's nice to be well-informed. The second thing, though we you know, think about tomorrow a lot. Oh, what's going to happen in a month? What's going to happen in a year? Don't let that bog you down because sometimes that can stunt you. That fear of the future can stunt you as much as you want to look forward to it and want to be a visionary. And, and that's great. But if it starts to stunt you, get it out of your mind. You know, when I was struggling, I remember when I was struggling with biochem, was it biochem? No, organic chem. Oh, God. When I was struggling with organic <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> you know what we're talking about? Yeah. Woo, I was struggling, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Those, those, those L and R's and I couldn't get it together, <laughs> man. It was like, I had my little blocks and my little molecules and I was like, what mm. is this? Um, I couldn't get it together. I had no visual, spatial, like anything. <laughs> I just didn't know what I was looking at. Right. I that was my first year and neurology was fifth year. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I remember exactly where I was sitting and I remember exactly what I was doing. And I remember holding my head like if I can't figure out organic chemistry, how am I going to get through neurology? Neurology was four years away, guys. Like, stop. Mm. <laughs> like, stop. Mm. I had to stop myself. I was just like, to me, get it together. You are doing organic chemistry right now. Stay on organic chemistry. You will get to neurology and you'll be fine. And I was. So just, you know, as much, think about the future as far as like your, your goals, set up what you want to do in life um, and all that fun stuff. Great. Do that. But don't let it bog you down. Don't think that you're not going to be capable of doing what's coming in the future. You're preparing yourself step by step. You know, if you had to jump up onto a building, yeah. like from ground level, you couldn't do it. But if you have stairs, it's easy. So take the stairs. Don't jump. That's deep. Like. Wow. Okay. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Now, like your social media accounts, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get that out there. Um, so, that, so, that, so that our students can follow you. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't have a lot on my Twitter. I hopefully okay. I can get something on there. Um, but my Instagram for now, actually, what is my Twitter? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i don't know oh i think it's yeah. is it ad a dimple i don't know what it is i gotta I, i'll find out and i'll get back okay. to you well, welcome um, to medicine guys right <laughs> <laughs> like what is my twitter i literally have nothing on my twitter i tweet nothing it's, yeah it's, i'm going to eventually i promise you my twitter is going to be up and running i got plans <laughs> i got plans i got goals mama no um <laughs> uh, but my instagram i know my instagram i promise you i know my instagram it's um Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, I promise, I promise, I know it, I know yeah, it. It's, yeah, yeah. oh man, T-U-N-E-B-E-E, -E -E, dimples, D-I-M as a man, P-L-Z, okay? That's okay. what it is, T-U-N-E-B-E-E-D-I-M-P-L-Z, to be dimples. Okay. So I think that's what it is. And um my my Facebook is at Yeni. It's real easy. Um, but don't be offended if I don't add you on Facebook because that's more like family, social, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but Instagram, yeah. you know, follow me on there. Send me a message. Say hi. I, I actually answer my Instagram, which is pretty interesting. I don't answer my Facebook. It's weird. Um, and I promise you when I get my Twitter up and running, uh, I will, I will I'll give you the information. And I have a LinkedIn, uh, which just has like my basic info on there. It just has my, my name at 18 by Yenny. So you can find me on there as well. So guys, after, after the episode, please check the description. I, I will link every, every single, you know, account, uh, down, down there in the episode. So, um, I mean, a description, so don't worry about that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, welcome to medicine, people. <laughs> welcome to medicine. Um, thank, thank you, Doctor Yeni. Um, wow, what a, what a conversation. Um, thank you so much, guys. Join me to say a big thank you to Doctor Yeni. I know that you all have been inspired um, by her stories and all the advice that she's given us today. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you, Doctor Yeni. We really appreciate your time. Um, and uh, any any last words that you, that you may have? <laughs> 
Uh, no, just thank you for having me. And I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, good luck to you. I think you're going to be super successful. Um, and everyone listening, you know, honestly, just whatever your faith is, hold on to that. It'll get you through this. So good luck, guys. I'm, I'm proud of all of you. I don't even know you yet, but I, I really am proud of you because it's amazing to see the next generation come up. Thank you so much. Guys, see you in the fourth episode. Bye for now.